Hey guys, it's Jared. Uh, jumping in with just a really quick message before we get to the show. This episode that we recorded on The Great Passage was recorded in late 2017, so Anime Strike was still a thing, and uh, we bitch about it, and now it's not a thing. And uh, whether or not you want to attribute that to us or not, yeah, it was totally us, or not. But without further ado, here's the show. Welcome to Old Taku No Radio, where today uh, my esteemed colleague Inc. and I are talking about the 2016 Noitamina anime, The Great Passage, uh, which has been uh, on Anime Strike for a little while now. Some might say held hostage by Anime Strike, but uh, you know it's it's out there. Uh, and we have been uh, itching to cover it for a while, and decided to to go ahead and make time to. To lay it down, so we don't know exactly when you'll get this, but uh, we're looking forward to you guys hearing our discussion, and uh, hope you enjoy that as, as much as we enjoyed uh, doing it for you. Uh, so, Ink, say hi. Hi. Um, yeah, great passage. Good stuff, right? It was. I mean, you were nagging me to watch this forever, and I didn't because I didn't have an anime strike, and I refused to get anime strike because of the double paywall bit and i gotta say like this is honestly one of the shows that makes that double paywall worth it and that's our show for today everybody everybody have a nice day and we'll see you next time <laughs> but you're exactly right i mean like this um ever since this show was announced i was like ink 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 this is this is going to be like they made an anime exp expressly for you man like here it is we're not getting another Chihaya Furu anytime soon, but but look, man, here it is. Salt in the wound, man. Yeah, Salt in the wound. I know, I know. Sorry to trigger you on that. I apologize. Uh, but we're. I thought that was Madhouse. Madhouse. Oh, oh god. <laughs> oh, oh, very nice. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've we've been following the life of this production since it was first announced and um i think there was some consternation on both our parts when we discovered that it was going to be uh on not just amazon which they hadn't announced anime strike at the time so there's a bit of a limbo as to where the devil this thing was um but uh, it eventually ended up on their anime strike service uh, and our friends in the UK, uh, thinking of you, Elliot here, uh, got to see it before we did. But we're not bitter. Uh, we've, it we've, was like a whole year it was delayed, right? Uh, not a whole year. Um, this actually came out in the same season. So I want everybody to, to just take a step back and think about this for a minute. The Great Passage came out exactly at the same time, same season, as the first season of Showa Rakugo. So can you imagine having both of those at the same time to watch like like serious like cool like dramas with like just all kinds of of imagery and complexity and, and it just like i don't know that my brain would have been able to handle it i i think i probably would have just had a meltdown and and just you know y'all would have buried me at sea or something i don't know 
I'm actually glad it was staggered because as much as I love The Great Passage, if it were to air alongside Rakugo, because Rakugo just kind of sweeps everything else away. Rakugo um, is seminal. Like, yeah, it's, I, yeah. I would not. I would not want to have to compare the two in the same season. That, it, that would have been detrimental to this show for me. It would have been brutal. It would have been brutal. Um, you know, it, it, I think about my anime of the year list last year. Uh, this would have definitely been on it. Um, it, it, it would have been. Um, you know, spoiler alert, I might have something to say about that as we get into our year-end uh, writing and stuff. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it, it's such a good uh, contemporary drama, and um, it's all about words and how words are a, are a way we try to reach people, and dictionaries are a vessel by which we can cross the sea of words to reach um the hearts of the people we're trying to communicate to that is the show <laughs> i mean it's it and it, it 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 kind of states that a lot um you know at times and and you see imagery that's supposed to kind of recall that in your brain but uh it, you know it, it the 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 I, that idea is helped a lot i think by uh the cast the the cast is sort of the perfect uh you know vehicle to uh, to to kind of provide an allegory for, for that whole uh, that whole concept um, and I, I think that uh, Majime is, is one of my favorite characters from the last couple years um, but anyway now I'm just blabbing ink ink tell us tell us more about how you feel about what the show's trying to do uh, just the very fact that the whole thing is centered around the concept of empathy. And, you know, people need a way to find the words to express themselves. Like, that's just obviously, you know, going out to jerk me off. <laughs> <laughs> not in front of anyone without their consent. I want to say that. <laughs> uh, but the uh, you know, the whole thing is just, just catering to word nerds like myself. I'm sitting here watching Jared trying to hold back his laughter at that last comment. Uh, <laughs> it's not working out so well, guys. <laughs> that, that, the whole concept of the show just caters to word nerds like me because uh, the, the, the whole thing of the setup behind the story is this editorial department which focuses on the production of dictionaries, which is sort of this antiquated and almost... Um, passed over division in this uh, publishing company is looking to replace one of their senior editors and the the head of the department uh, what is what is matsumoto sensei's like his title title yeah um i think he was the director of the uh dictionary division of genbu books um, yeah, him. yeah he's looking to replace the person directly beneath him the senior editor and uh he Outright says, like, no, this person has has to have, like, this love of words but not be overcome by them. He has to have a wide scope of knowledge. He has to, you know, all these sort of things that deal with patience and intricacy. And he's like, where can we find this in a young person these days? And, of course, they do. Um, and that's uh, Majime? Yeah, Majime Mitsuya. And uh, he, he turned, he's, he's this guy who, you know, kind of, doesn't fit anywhere with the, he's in the initial, initially in the sales company and he is horrible at that on multiple levels um 
but he, he you see him just walking around sort of stumbling on things contemplating like little bits of words and images he sees here and there uh, so it's a bit over the top but it's exactly how you are when you're in love with words so I, I didn't mind the repetitive imagery uh, you were speaking of earlier mm -hmm. uh, and I usually would because it was like bad over the head um, with the sea of words and the the ship being the uh, correlated to the name of the dictionary the di Dai Tokai? Dai yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's um it's it's pretty cool. Um and the one of the great things about Majime is you know, often when we think about words and people that love words, we we tend to assume uh that they have uh, a facility with the use of those words. Uh, and are eloquent uh, speakers or writers or, uh, you know, uh, able to to use them in a way to ev evoke the kind of emotional uh, or, or logical response that uh, they want. Majime is not like that at all. <laughs> he is incredibly, uh, incredibly awkward, incredibly shy, uh, and has an incredibly difficult time expressing himself through words, despite the fact that he loves them and he 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 thinks about them as all of as concepts, really in 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 a very deep way. He's he's always he's always thinking about all the different interpretations of a word, uh, and maybe part of that is borne out by his his lack of of confidence in his ability to really express himself. Then he goes really deep into trying to understand the words um because just like you know majime is also like a like a term you hear in like japanese for like you know a a a, a good a good person <laughs> you know like they're earnest or something like that um i forget the exact definition but uh it's it it has connotations in that in that direction and um you know they're very serious i guess is the best way to put it they're very they're very serious and 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 you know hardworking and like they have it gives all these kind of connotations and and it, he is exactly like that. Um, so he he takes this just intense drive and this intense focus to uh, better understand the concept of words and and he's just naturally gifted with it. So you know he's in a sense perfect for the world of of you know, dictionaries because he has the the ability to see words in all of their myriad definitions and not only that but to think of interesting ways to explain what they mean um mm. like one of the very early in the in the show they they uh matsumoto sensei asks him i think it's matsumoto sensei that asks him uh can you define or can you to explain what the word migi so like right as in directionally means and you know like you you hear all of these interesting kind of definitions um i forget the exact one he uses to explain it but i remember one a character that is asked to do this later says that it's when you're facing north it's you know the the direction the sun comes up or something like that you know it's like um and it's that kind of it's that kind of thinking about words that helps them create evocative definitions for words 
in this dictionary that also explain them in a very you know straightforward way. He's good as a walking dictionary, but he's lacking, like you said, uh, he's he's too shy about uh, choosing his own words and sort of putting his own spin on things. He's very good at knowing mm. uh, what's already out there, but putting his own essence into his choice of words is uh, Majime's problem, which makes the conflict of the show so great because as senior editor, he, his job is to put his personal spin on this dictionary and all the word choices therein. Because um, he has a crew literally just fanning through pages and pages of all these other existing dictionaries and you know cherry-picking what he wants to put, include um, to shape this, this tome of empathy. And that's the core—that's uh, the core conflict in, in the, the initial assemblage of the dictionary. But what I what I actually loved about the show is how much I learned about dictionaries in Japan. Even though it's not like your typical kid show of "Hey, let's learn words" <laughs> or "Let's learn about dictionaries." No, I had no idea that like dictionaries weren't just you know flat-out collections of words. Like, no, here are all the words. No, it's actually you know themed, if you will. Yeah, and uh, different dictionaries have different kind of uh, approaches to that and different focuses of that, as we learn in the adorably cute little mini Jishotan's uh, uh, kind of break, like segue in the middle of the every episode, which feels odd some episodes, but but you do learn a lot about dictionaries from that stuff. Yeah, they, they, I love how they actually wrap that around at the end too, because. Uh, the sales department friend of Majime actually ends up creating uh, the mascot for the Daikutai. And yeah. uh, it ends up being that stupid little blue book. Thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Which also sort of looks like the characters from Meat Boy. Oh, really? <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I think we see a lot in this show is the cycle of life is a huge underlaying theme of the whole show. And you see that embodied in uh, the image of a Ferris wheel. And that Ferris wheel is from, from Majime's boarding house that he starts out living in and eventually becomes just the place he lives. It, it, you can see it from the street and uh, it's, it's one of the very first images you see um, when, when you get into the, to the, to the anime, it's, it's a Ferris wheel you know, in the middle of a vast ocean. And that image repeats itself just throughout the... It's the Ferris wheels in the opening. It's very important to one of the, the major plot points of the, the series. Um, you, you see Ferris wheels, like, at particularly important moments where you should see a Ferris wheel when they're talking about something sort of philosophical about life, something like that. So, I, I mean, it's not as obvious as all that, I think think if you're just watching the show i've seen it a few times now so now i'm like counting them off <laughs> but um you know so i don't want to say that's not well done because it, it, it is but uh you do see that uh quite a bit and the the show itself just to, to give some broader context on just the setting and where we're at so obviously japan uh, it starts out probably I think about I think I read this somewhere. I think it starts out about 2004 or so, and then it, in the course of the the series, about 13 years or so pass, maybe a little bit more than that. 
you know, it's it's kind of one of the one of the big hints about that is, um, you know, they start off with flip phones and then they finish off with smartphones. They handle those time skips really well. Like they they're just in there. They don't they don't you know do you know so many years later, but they 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 communicate that passage of time through you know the the swaps of technology, like you said, mm-hmm. slight. Uh, Slight changes in details to the character spaces mm-hmm. and uh, some of the surroundings as well. The time changes. I mean, almost every episode you are going through, you know, a month or two of time at least, uh, and sometimes more than that. Uh, because take building a dictionary. Believe it or not, building a dictionary takes a lot of time, especially if you're building one from scratch. What? Yeah, it takes a lot of time. There's there is one point though where structurally. Um, I, I, I think we probably want to talk about is the, I, I think it's episode seven or eight in the, sh- it's episode eight in the show that we go from, you know, you, they kind of get you used to, you know, several months pass in a course of an episode and it's okay. Then they give you like 13 years have passed, <laughs> like, and they don't like just tell you that, like you, you, but you pick up on it really quick. But when you get to episode eight, um, it it kind of follows in the aftermath of um, Nishioka, who is starts out being uh, Majime's partner. Nishioka is actually the guy who sort of quote unquote discovers Majime and like gets him drawn up into the into the to the dictionary editing team um, from his sales position. Uh, Nishioka, uh, in an effort to save the Daitokai from being shelved because dictionaries cost a lot of money uh, to produce. Um, he goes out and he 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 makes all of these these contracts with uh, specialists to write pieces within the Daitokai to explain certain things. All these different professors from these different universities. And so then, um, because you know Japanese culture is awesome, and you know if you know how to work it, you, it can work in your favor sometimes. For them to just pull the Daitokai after they've made all these obligations to these professors uh, and asked for their contributions, it would be a huge insult to all these academics. So then it's a loss of face. So then they can't do it. So they're kind of stuck with the Daitokai. But in a bit of retribution, the senior management of the the Gimbu Books Company decides that Nishioka is going to be much better suited in a uh, marketing and PR role, which apparently is what he tried to apply for when he first came. Uh, so they move him out of the dictionary uh, department and into the PR department, and it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty big blow. They don't have anybody to really backfill him, and that's the end of Episode 7. So by the, by the start of Episode 8, 13 years have passed, and... Uh, Matsumoto Sensei has retired. The uh, I think it's Araki Sensei, the the guy who was who Majume came on to replace initially, um, is semi-retired. He's he's now working part time. Majime is at this point the chair or the, not the chairman, but like the chief of the book editing team. So he's he's Matsumoto now. He's the new Matsumoto. He's senpai coming back after he's already graduated high school, visiting his high school club. Yeah, well, Araki is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Araki is. Majime, Majime though is is the he's the the leader of the team now. And then you have and and let's let's take a moment to just raise a glass to Sasaki, 
um, Sasaki, who is this this contract worker who does all the organizing and like the the the, the planning and a lot of the, the the administrative stuff, who is as steady and constant as as a mountain. Um, she's she's there unchanged. Doesn't look. Doesn't, she's one of the only characters that they don't do anything to. Character design wise, she, she's she's still there, still the same, and um, it's it's her and and Majime and Araki uh, coming in, you know, part time when he can, um, and we are introduced to a new character, who her name is Kishibe. Um, she comes in from. Uh, she kind of gets punished, and this is how she ends up in the dictionary department. She's sort of been exiled to the di- dictionary department after being in the um, the fashion magazine uh, side of business. But it's important to note why she's exiled. Yeah, she's 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 been exiled because she she loves words. She's she's far too picky in her articles, according to her editor. She's like, you're you're holding things up, and the changes are superfluous, and you know you, you you're, you're you're terrible at this, basically. <laughs> like, you don't fit our flow. So here, you're banned to the dictionary department. <laughs> and I love the fact that everyone ends up here because of some form of punishment. Like, uh, Majime sucked as a sales associate, so boom, to the dictionary department. She sucked as a fashion editor, so boom, to the dictionary <laughs> department. <laughs> so here's an important question, Inc. Uh, is, is she your new waifu, or is it like the entire dictionary department is your new waifu i have no particular waifus in this series but i really loved actually majime's wife ah um, yes i guess we should talk about that now it, well there there's this you know there's a love story at the very beginning of this and i i love the fact that they really just don't lean on it at all like they meet they fall in love through a time skip they're married i think mm-hmm. and uh you know, she's she's an up and coming chef, and then she's like head chef, and then she has her own restaurant. I think at the end of it, or is she she takes over the ownership of the restaurant she apprenticed in. There you go. Um, but she she's always there in a supportive role and sort of this uh, a generator of ideas, and it's just kind of perfect and just on the border of the focus to round out Machimu's character as a person because he's not only this work machine, but he's also husband and lover. Yeah, I mean, it's not that she's not her own character, but she's a supportive role that's much needed. Yeah, she adds a lot of depth to to Majime and 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 really helps him from a character growth perspective, kind of more confidence in what he's doing uh, on the dictionary team, because her own her own chosen passion of uh, becoming a, a Japanese chef and and really you know mastering that that school of of cooking techniques requires a lot of the same focus and determination and commitment uh, that uh, Majime uh, has uh, in, in the dictionary uh, building game. So uh, they have this this common sort of drive that they share, um, even though it's in, in different fields, and they get each other, and that's what makes their relationship work. And it's, it's really it's, – it's really, uh, an important part of the series and and also the the ferris wheel plays a big part in that whole in their whole relationship and it you kind of as as you see them growing older together you you kind of it kind of brings you back to that cycle of life and how the 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 ferris wheel for them embodies the kind of the point where they uh fell in love and are now on this life journey together 
I wanted to ask you something. How did you feel finally getting to know what Matsuda did when he wasn't taking care of uh, Yakumo and the Shin? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're making a Rakugo joke. Okay. Because yes. Mat- uh, Matsuda-sensei? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, Mat- it's, it's Matsuda, Matsuda and it, so the... Okay, so the the thing is, from from Rakugo, the the character design for Matsuda, and the character design for Matsumoto Sensei in The Great Passage, look very similar. So close. But as as someone who has met a lot of older Japanese dudes in his life, um, I can tell you that that that's kind of they they all kind of end up that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, character design by God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, anytime I see an older character like that um, in an anime, I, I think of uh, a dear friend of mine uh, that I, I've met uh, many years ago now. Who's He's fortunately still with us, but uh, he's um, he looks a bit like that. <laughs> and so I always I always think of him uh, when I when I see an older character like that with like white hair on the temples and then bald on top and all that. But they do look a lot alike. They sound a lot alike. They act a lot alike. These two characters in the Great Passage, uh, the the characters we're talking about in the Great Passage versus uh, Rakugo, they they do sound and act a lot alike. Now you know what I'm changing my answer. Matsumoto uh, Sensei would be my uh, waifu. <laughs> Matsumoto is the waifu. Totally be my waifu. <laughs> right on. I mean, good choice. Good choice. Yeah, I mean, he's all about them words. I mean, he's. <laughs> You know he that he's he he expresses this singular you know single-minded devotion to to finding new words and and every time he's out you, he's he's got a card that he's writing down new words or new interpretations of existing words. Oh God, that killed me because I, I do that as well myself. But the uh, the fact that even at the end of the very last episode, he's still shown like writing down words as he gets up from bed to visit the team who's visiting him because they, you know, completed the dictionary. And I, I was weeping uncontrollably. It's like, my God, I know what's going to happen. It's horrible. And and they, they set that up beautifully, too. They do. There's there's this – one of the things this show does, and, and Matsumoto's passing is is a excellent example of it, is – they they do foreshadowing with a very subtle lighting effect with certain backdrops lit lit a certain way. You know, sometimes they do it through all the traditional things like the last leaf on a tree falling to the ground or something like that. But when when he passes away, you don't hear the words at first. You you know, Majime picks up the phone and and he has this sort of reaction. And then it does a hard cut to Matsumoto Sensei's house, where just in a scene or two before, um, the doors are all open and they were all outside in the garden, kind of talking. And um, the doors are all closed. His study is is dark with this one shaft of light, kind of coming in, sun coming in through a window. And then again, you see he's got a little golden Ferris wheel statuette, I guess, on his bookcase, and. That's all you needed to know. <laughs> you know what happened to it. Yeah, everything's empty. It was such a great shot. It really was. It was yeah. just told you everything you need to know, and all of a sudden you you see you see the other characters stumbling from the actual message that's relayed. But as a viewer, 
like all you need is that shot of the empty pond, the empty courtyard, the the, the office. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. This this show does a lot of great work with setting a scene and and that's one of the that's one of the best examples of it I think in the whole series. Mm, agreed. What else made you constantly beg me to watch the series, Derek? The fact that the, the subject matter mainly had me encouraged, but then as I was watching the show and you you hear the passion for words and the the love of words that the characters have, you know, even characters who have no skill in thinking about words like that at all um like nishioka is he is not you know this deeply contemplative guy but he gets it he gets the mission uh and he understands it and even when he gets transferred out of the dictionary department and he's in marketing and pr it actually turns out to be a good thing because he's really good at it and he uses his position in that area to to help support um, the the building of of the the Daitokai and you know he's he's comes around often for moral support and you know he's bringing food to people and you know trying to trying to help rally the troops uh, when uh, when things are sort of looking bad for the for the dictionary for a while and they're having to work really long hours to fix a mistake and he gets the mission and he sees the vision that that. Matsumoto since I had with, for to to publish this dictionary and that was really cool and and just the, the characters in general I love all of the characters in the show. His drive is particularly essential, especially in those two instances you mentioned. One after uh, Matsumoto's uh, sensei's passing because the news hits him and like you can tell he's at a loss for what to do because uh, he gets the message right before he goes into this uh, sales pitch meeting. And all his, you know, all his comrades are going in there with, you know, come on, we got to get in there and pitch our stuff. And he's just been dealt this heavy emotional blow. And he just sort of slaps his face and goes in there. And he, go, he does that because the you know, torch has been passed. He's now the person who has to, you know, get everyone else energized to relay this life work of his. And I, I loved that he's just very mature, calm, and collected as opposed to his younger self where he was just sort of this this comedic relief gopher uh, and a lot of things, talented though he was. And that, that portion, even though he's just a person bringing food and sort of uh, a morale holder at the, the dictionary company during that time where they have to correct for like a word being missed, um, it's, it's essential to have him in there because it shows his constant contact and his involvement with, if not the work itself, the people doing the work itself. So right. this this connection between all people creating this thing is essential. Yeah, that that scene you mentioned, I, that scene gets me still. Knowing what's going through his head, knowing how he feels on the inside, but then in that one moment he makes that decision that you know the best way to honor his mentor and friend um, is to make damn sure that he crushes this PR presentation and, and gets them the support they need to get the Daitokai out into the market. It's great how this show is able to convey that kind of complexity, sometimes without words, like it does in that, you know, in that, in that scene, you don't get any exposition from him. You don't get any internal monologue or dialogue, anything like that. All, all you, all you get is I got to do this. And and you just see that you don't you don't they show and don't tell and God this show's good at that um, even though it's a show about words <laughs> and a lot of that comes about to the the attention paid to characters facial reactions 
I don't know if you noticed it, but just like the, the, the there's the long shots where the characters don't have any features, which really kind of disturbed me because I was like, oh, but you could have been so pretty right there. It's like, no, I can't screen screen cap this lovely shot of uh, the two people standing on the ocean next to the the, the darkening sky because you don't have faces. Uh, <laughs> but when it's when it's up close and personal and when it matters like that, like you said, the complexity of emotion behind the people really come through without having to say a damn thing. That's just so lovely. Two two more characters that I think we'd be remiss to uh, not bring up uh, that are very important in their own ways is um, the landlady of the boarding house where Majime lives, who is incidentally the grandmother of the woman that uh, Majime ends up marrying, Kaguya. Her, the, the grandmother's name is Take, and she is the most adorable person just like I love everything about her character and I loved her in the show. I love how you can kind of still feel her influence on both Majime and Kaguya as as the show kind of moves on and they just the big time skip and we learn that she's passed away in that time. But you know, it looks like they had many years together as a family in that in that time jump, so that was good. Um but she was great and adorable. And that cat, man <laughs> I was gonna say, if you don't that, mention the cat, I'm gonna kill you. The, the cat, the cat, that cat is probably one of the most powerful cats in modern anime. Uh, Tora <laughs> is just this big, fat calico monstrosity. He's this huge cat, and he lives at the boarding house, and you know, oftentimes is sleeping with Majime, and and the cat sort of causes the situation that causes Majime to meet Kaguya. Anyway, like cat, the cat does a lot of work at this show, guys. Like like cats. Cat's got cat seriously got some some plot stuff going on, and then later there's sort of his descendant who is Torao, who is a is a smaller looking version of Tora, uh, and looks a little little happier. But like Tora Tora expressions, you could I'm sure there's a Tumblr somewhere that's just nothing of that cat's facial expressions, because they're super powerful, um, and you see them like right in the intro, so definitely another selling point. But to kind of sum up what I thought you would really like about the great passage. It's not only just the subject matter, but it's all the characters. And so every one of these characters is just wonderful. I'm just glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, I watched the, uh, just to, just to sort of jog my memories. I rewatched the last episode before this podcast and I, I cannot tell you how many times my chin went quivering and my, my eyelashes got all soppy. And yeah. It was, a, it took very little to, uh, to turn those waterworks on. <laughs> Ready for Twitter questions? Ready for Twitter questions. All right. Um, we got a few today, which is, is really cool. So um, from Hey Jude VO on Twitter, I thoroughly enjoyed The Great Passage. I'm interested to hear your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Was there anything you were disappointed in for me it was the time skip though i understand it i wanted the show to keep going i you know i, I when i said before i didn't want this to air alongside rockago and i think this is the reason because rockago handled its time skips a lot better um in a lot more important ways this just seemed uber condensed and it had to be because who wants to spend 13 years with these people watching them make a dictionary? Obviously, that's going to get tedious. But besides Ink, he means. Hmm? Oh yes. Besides yourself, 
You you would spend thirteen years with these people. Uh, I don't know. Like, I find my I found myself simultaneously disappointed and appreciative for the time skips because I think they did what uh, everything they needed to do, and they didn't really need to sit there and spend more time with these characters. No one was really interesting enough to you know go off on their side stories like what they're doing when they're not at this department because it's inferred that they're always at this department uh always at work spending more time with the wife would have probably been good to flesh out her character but unnecessary for the main story so like i I don't i don't want to see her relegated to that role but it's suitable for the character so yeah i was i was moderately disappointed to that but it's something that had to be because I don't think extending this would have given any more uh, bulk to the show or any more oomph to the show. I, I agree that the the time skip is, uh, I think, the, the the trickiest and maybe weakest point of the big time skip. I'm, I'm saying episode eight. That's probably the weakest point of the show from a structural point of view. I don't think they had much of a choice uh, in that, but it was pretty jarring. Uh, that first time, it was kind of like, whoa, whoa. Like, there was all kind of – like, we were just getting started in seeing Kaguya and uh, Majime's relationship. We you know, we, we just got the news about uh, Nishioka getting moved, you know, moved department from one uh, – from the dictionary department to the PR department. Like, there are all these plot threads that, you know, you're sort of set up to believe, oh, man – we're going to spend an episode dealing with with that, those two things at least, you know, kind of their aftermath and how they're playing out. Nope. <laughs> not only do we not see the aftermath, we don't see the aftermath of the aftermath where we make this huge jump. And I, I, I don't think they they had a choice really structurally in how to – they had to make some kind of decision about how they accelerate the time. Um, I think kind of ripping the Band-Aid off, so to speak, was probably the best option of the options they had. Um, it's still, it, I can de- I can definitely still see how it's difficult to, to to kind of uh, reconcile, you know, especially watching it the first time. Watching it, this is like my third time I think seeing the sh- series. Um, I think the way that they did it, the the mechanics of it, I think they they executed it as solidly as they could. I think one thing. I, the Rakugo comparison, I think, is a bit unfair in one sense. That Rakugo is a period piece, and it gets to play to that. It gets to it gets to play to the fact that it's covering, you know, the changing cultures and tide and, and the tides of time and all that. And that's that's like one of its strengths that it capitalizes on. The Great Passage, you know, isn't a period piece. Uh, it, it 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 has to show the the passage of time, uh, but but it's not something it can really sort of build around that much um it has to just sort of do it but i i do see how that can be a jarring thing i think for me just in terms of disappointment other than other than that piece being tough to deal with was you know i wish kaguya didn't just like get kind of sidelined basically from from episode eight onwards she shows up in some important moments like when when she would need to for the story but um that's kind of the curse of having a bunch of great characters. You kind of want to see what's going on in their lives too when they're not, you know, directly dealing with our protagonist. Okay, so another question that uh, he had was, if there were to be a second season, what would you like to see in it or for it to focus on? Jared. I don't want a second season. I think it told the story it told, and I am very happy with it. 
I've spent 13 plus years with these folks already, even though we just said one of those was a very like very very quick time jump. Um, I, I feel like it would lose a lot of the charm in the second season. I mean, second season you could talk about oh we've got to revise it now and you know maybe how do we keep Matsumoto's legacy you know going without not bringing in something new and fresh and you know how we do all that and you know i guess you could have some more like personal life kind of challenges that could come up and it affect the characters but i, I don't know what the overall i don't know what the overall theme of the story or, or the, the the concept or the question they would be trying to explore would be for that second season you got any thoughts on that no, my my answer is about the same, but I my track of thinking of what they could do in a second season was a little different. I was, uh, I was thinking, because, you know, with the advancement of technology from flip phones to smartphones in the series, um, brings up the question of, okay, well, our dictionaries now, paper dictionary is going to be outdated, and what does that mean to this publishing company? So stuff like, you know, dictionary.com, like where it can just be updated in the second for whatever they need to fill in. For next to no cost, and mm. you know, what does that mean for you know, the, the people who put their hearts and souls into these personalized collections? And ultimately, it really, I guess, wouldn't mean much because you'd just be cataloging, like you said, cataloging the efforts of someone doing revision, whether it's you know manually inserting words into a paper book or you know handling the transition from digital to pa uh, analog to digital. And eh, I don't need to see it because. If you wanted to flesh out all the side characters and make it more of a drama around them as opposed to the work and sort of flip it, because this was all about the work and no real interpersonal drama, at least on a, on a like a day-to-day -day basis, non-work-oriented. So then you you know flip it and you say, okay, well now we're going to focus on all these characters being characters and have the work as a backdrop. Um, that might be interesting if you really wanted to spend more time with these characters, but like you you know I've already spent 13 years with them. I, I I'm I'm cool with where they ended up. Um, Anime Delement had a similar question about the time skip, so I guess we'll kind of consider those both answered because um, mm. we've probably talked about that time skip enough. But thank you for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And please ask more questions. Helen, Wandering Dreamer, asked us, uh, what word would you insist on including in a dictionary? Lugubrious. I've always loved the word lugubrious. I don't want to see it ever disappear from a dictionary. Uh, it's uh, mournful, dismal, or gloomy, especially in an affected, exaggerated, or unrelieved manner. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a word that would be something in the English language that I would want to have added. I don't really know. Um, because every word that I tried to think of, well, it's in the dictionary already. <laughs> well, she, she, did, she didn't say, uh, you know. That it had, it, you could not yeah. be. Yeah, just what's what's your favorite word, basically? Um, how do I pick a favorite word? I mean, that's I just went with the first one that popped in my head. <laughs> well, you know, salubrious I've always thought was a cool word, which is nice. basically just meaning healthy or you know life giving or something like that. Um, I always like that word. It has a, it just has a. The word itself has has an interesting sound to it, salubrious. It just I don't know. It feels like a an eel made into a word. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Sounds, but sounds more salacious than healthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Um, 
Next, from uh, dear friend, fellow gamer Alex C. Osborne, where does this series rank for you among Amazon's titles? He poses the question, best Anime Strike exclusive. Ooh, that's tough, man. That's tough. I mean, there's there's a lot. I, I haven't watched everything exclusive on uh, on Anime Strike yet. And honestly, Rage of Bahamut, Virgin Soul, if it just didn't have the end ladder falling action that it did, uh, would probably have been better. Um, it was a fantastic, fantastic series. Um, there's also uh, Girls Last Tour, which I'm thoroughly enjoying right now, uh, which is just sort of this lovely contemplative post-apocalyptic Kino's journey with uh, Moe Blobs. Um, and what else? Oh, Scum's Wish, which was really good. <sighs> yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's it's hard because Strike has all the Noe Tamanai exclusives, so... I mean, this is this is one title that actually is what Noe Tamino wanted uh, originally as their mission statement. So, uh, not best, but probably one one of the best. I I agree with that. I think until this season, I would have said this is the best thing they have on Anime Strike, and would this would have been my main selling point uh, for people, and that's having. I've seen a lot of Anime Strike stuff. I've been on – I mean I, I bought Anime Strike to watch this. <laughs> that was my original you know, raison d'etre for, for, for buying that service. Um, I have gone on to you – know, I covered Scum's Wish for Wave Motion Cannon when it was out. Um, I um, have watched Recreators. I've watched Reg- – I haven't watched all of Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul. Like the fact that the ending kind of goes weird is like scared me off. I need to just suck it up and do it. Um, but I've, I've watched quite a few of the shows that have come out on Anime Strike. Some of them are garbage. But I think Land of Illustrious is one of the – I mean it is absolutely the best thing on there right now in my view. Um, and, and it's – I'm having to figure out what I'm going to do about Anime of the Year now because like it's really good. Like really good. The fact that I'm even... It's going to be a tough feeling. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be one hell of a year. <laughs> um, you know, my top three or five are going to be just really... It's going to be some good stuff. This is going to be a strong stack of uh, good anime this year. But uh, So I would say it's the second best anime strike exclusive right now. All right. And also from Alex, uh, does it have a satisfying ending? I made episodes in and loving it. Hoping to finish the remaining few tonight. Please tell me if it sticks the land, or please tell me if it sticks the landing. Well, I hope you're not listening to this before you finished. <laughs> yeah. So I really hope you finished when you asked that question. So Alex, we're probably going to uh, answer this question now, and have it be like a time capsule kind of thing, and then when we end the show, we'll get on Twitter, we'll let you know. But yes, yes, it does stick the ending. It's got a really great ending. It's got a, it's got an ending that brings all the themes of the show to, back together. Uh, you kind of end where you begin, which again is the Ferris wheel, again the cycle of life. Um, it's a very emotional ending. That that last episode is an extremely emotional episode, uh, and I, I think you're gonna like it. I I sure did. Any other thoughts on the Great Passage? I'm just so glad you finally got to see it. <laughs> I'm very glad I did too. 
I, I was following along your your Twitter uh, your Twitter commentary as you were experiencing that first time, and I, I could just I could feel it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is this is going in the the Hall of Inks good anime. Whatever, wherever that is, it's 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 gonna have its own plaque. It's gonna be there. It is very much worth it. If you if you the as of now, I, I'm it's got Anime Strike has got a, a good pile of good content. I, it's worth the double paywall now, and a lot of it is the Great Passage, like for me. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, Ink, tell us where we can find you on the internet. You can find me at uh, animegamers.com doing this uh, thing called Old Takuna Radio with uh, someone. Names begins with a J. I'm not too good with these American names. I can never pronounce them. Jared? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, Yeah, there. Uh, We are also over at fandompost.com. I have... uh, I do uh, columns like uh, 10 years later and uh, reviews here and there. Uh, also, in the pages of Otaku USA Magazine, you can go uh, subscribe at uh, otakuusamagazine.com where you can get uh, issues mailed to your house and discover things you might not have explored uh, on your own. How about you, Jared? As for me, uh, you can find me uh, on Anagamers uh, doing whatever it is I do, uh, mainly Old Talking No Radio. Probably more three-episode tests as the seasons roll by. Find me on Twitter at, at Save versus Jared, and uh, yeah, that's that's me. So uh, for Ink, for myself, uh, thank you guys very much. We look forward to y'all uh, getting this episode uh, whenever it comes out, and uh, we'll see you around. Articles periodically. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. think of when I think back to the show though is that uh, initial meeting between Majime and his uh, will, uh, soon-to-be wife uh, where he's falling back and she's leaning forward and you get that cuts of the hands uh, reaching for each mm-hmm. other and the papers flying on his end and I forget what's happening on her end uh, but it's just a wonderful uh, three-point uh, progression of images and I was just like god damn yeah. that's beautiful also, the giant freaking moon behind her, mm. and you you don't even know what her name is at that point. It's just like, you know, let's let's just be subtle, but like basically have her name behind mm. her. <laughs> you know, um, that was like the great passage way of doing the kill the kill like big giant <laughs> name like like slams onto the screen. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, what a great show. It was. I love that show. All right. Well, uh, I think that uh, that does it for this show, uh, for Inc., for myself. Uh, oh, wait. Blah, 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 blah. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Oh, and you said he was a perfect fit for the department. That's actually not initially true. I mean, he's he's great as a walking dictionary, but he... Mm. he... Sorry.
we're being aerated or something. Awesome. 